Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast helping wine students and wine enthusiasts alike to learn about all the wines of the world. I'm Matthew Gorn, and I'm a WCT certified educator, and in this podcast, I explore different wine regions and different grape varieties, and also interview producers from all around the world to explore the vast world of wine. This episode focuses on Gamay, the grape variety of Beaujolais, a grape variety which produces very good wines, but which has an historical reputation with low-quality wines, which will be addressed in this episode exactly why it makes good quality wines and why it sometimes does not. It is a natural crossing of Gouet Blanc and Pinot Noir, which makes it a sibling of Chardonnay and Oligote, and connects it with both Burgundy and Beaujolais. Of course, Chardonnay and Oligote coming from Burgundy as well. So it has a great historical provenance, but not always a favourable one. Famously, Philippe Lohardi, in, who was the Duke of Burgundy in 1395, issued an edict banning or trying to ban Gamay from Burgundy. And it's quite a powerful and slightly over-the-top edict that he um, issued. And he said that Gamay, a very bad and disloyal variety called Gamay, from which come abundant quantities of wine. And this wine of Gamay is of such a kind that it's very harmful to human creatures. So much so that many people who had it in the past were infested by serious diseases. It's full of significant and horrible bitterness. For this reason, we solemnly command you, all who have vines of said gamay, to cut them down or have them cut down, wherever they may be in our country, within five months. So, very urgent edict there. You couldn't just wait a year or two. It had to be within five months. And um, there are also other bans issued by um, Burgundy overlords in 1565, 1725 and 1731. So really a great variety not favoured by the Burgundians whatsoever. And that reputation has followed Gamay uh, throughout its history for various reasons. The first is that Burgundy and Beaujolais are quite distinct from each other, although being next to each other. And Gamay just really isn't suited to the limestone soils of Burgundy, Côte d'Or, Côte Chalonnais, for instance. It is much more used to the soils of Beaujolais, which are granite-based. And the historical border between um, Beaujolais and Burgundy is the southern tip of the Côte Chalonnais. And so Philippe Loardi was not talking about Beaujolais back in 1395. He was very specifically talking about Burgundy, and particularly the Côte d'Or which of course is much better suited to Pinot Noir. So that's part of the reason why Gamay has not been favoured. It doesn't work in Burgundy, where it does work in Beaujolais. Another reason is that in the 19th century, when Burgundy really gained some international reputation for its high-quality wines and became very fashionable, a lot of growers simply planted Gamay instead of Pinot Noir, because it's an easier grape to work with. It ripens a lot earlier and produces much higher yields which is why Philippe Lardy referred to the huge amounts of wine that can be made from Gamay. It's a high-yielding grape variety. And so in the wrong soils, emphasised for quantity rather than quality, Gamay gained a bad reputation, which it already had. Furthermore, Beaujolais has never had the reputation that Burgundy has of being the, some of the greatest quality wine in the world. And so you put all these things together with Beaujolais being... Burgundy's inferior sibling, with Gamay not working in Burgundy, 
with Burgundy being associated as the highest quality and all these edicts banning uh, Gamay from Burgundy, the reputation of Gamay has suffered. This was furthered by the development of Beaujolais Nouveau in the 1960s, also really struggling to recover from phylloxera in the late 19th century, and then two world wars, sales of Beaujolais were very low, and so the idea of selling the young wine known as Beaujolais Nouveau or En Primeur was created by Georges de Boeuf in the 1960s of making Beaujolais commercially successful. And this youthful style of wine, very youthful, was um, traditional across Europe, a way of celebrating the harvest that had just finished. So all the vineyard workers and growers and farmers would taste the wine after the harvest had finished as a celebration. And so, but most that's usually just for the local population, the local workers. But Georges de Boeuf came up with the idea of commercially uh, popularizing this style and selling it not just in the region but across the country and across the world as well and it was so successful by the early 1990s Beaujolais Nouveau accounted for over half of all the wine made in Beaujolais however sold on the the third Thursday of November this is a youthful simple fruity easy drinking style not really renowned for quality and that really affected the reputation of Beaujolais it's rather like in Germany, with brands like Liefraumilk and Blue Nun and Black Tower, very successful in the 70s and 80s, made German wine associated with cloyingly sweet wines without the necessarily acidity. And likewise with Beaujolais. Beaujolais became associated with Beaujolais Nouveau, and people didn't really associate it with any other style of wine. And given the historical reputation of Gamay as being lower quality than Pinot Noir, the style of Beaujolais Nouveau fitted into that reputation and just um, consolidate it in a negative way. However, Gamay can produce extremely good wine, but it has to be on the right soils in the right conditions, and also with the right plantings. So in Beaujolais, there are three uh, different tiers. There's Beaujolais, the Appellation, which is on the fertile plains, which really emphasises the high yields. They are not restricted and produces fruity, simple, easy-drinking, youthful wines. But further up on the slopes, there is Beaujolais Village, which produces some of the best value wine in France. High quality, uh, not too expensive, $20 more or less. Um, And with the characteristic nature of Gamay, it's still fruity, red fruits, uh, floral, lively acidity, and a firm, but not too firm, tannic structure. The tannic structure of Gamay isn't that different from Pinot Noir, despite the different reputations of the two varieties. Further up in the crew, there are 10 crew, which are the villages on the top of the hills overlooking the plains. That's where Gamay really comes into its fore. And here the tannins will be quite firm. The wines are still generally quite youthful, but they have more Asian potential. And here the density of the plantings is very high. And so plantings in Beaujolais can be as high as 14,000 vines per hectare, which is the highest of any region in the world. Just to compare... Burgundy, Champagne, Bordeaux, where it can be eight to 10,000 vines per hectare, which is pretty high. In Beaujolais, it's even higher. And that limits the yields of the variety. And if you get the chance to visit the crew of Beaujolais, you'll see vines just planted extremely close together and planted everywhere in plots of land which are smaller than most people's gardens. So really high dense plantings just 
covering the hills of the region. And that's where Gamay is at its best because it's limiting the yield, getting more concentrated flavors and also more structured tannins as well. Within the Cru Beaujolais, there is capacity for the wines to age, three to five years at least, but longer. But for the most part, the wines will be drunk more youthfully than that. That is the style of Gamay that people enjoy, but certainly more interesting than Beaujolais Nouveau, which is drunk just after a few weeks after the vintage. So the soils in Beaujolais are granite, which also helps uh, limit yields as well, particularly on those slopes and on the hillside tops. Beaujolais, Beaujolais is often made with carbonic maceration, and so the simplest wines, Beaujolais, is either carbonic or semi-carbonic maceration, in which the tank of the grapes is covered, so there has to be a um, whole stem, so there's no machine picking. And as the vines are so planted so close together, machine harvesting is going to be very difficult anyway. And so the stems uh, just allow the juice to flow, flow through the tank. And the idea of carbonic and semi-carbonic maceration is to get colour without extracting too much tannin, which accounts for the youthful fruity style of Beaujolais. So carbonic maceration has carbon dioxide inserted into the tank, whereas semi-carbonic maceration is, carb is carbon dioxide coming from the natural breakdown of the, the berries. As they um, break under the weight of the berries, it releases the juice, but also releases carbon, carbon dioxide as the fermentation naturally starts. At its worst, this produces um, bubblegum kirsch aromas, which can seem quite artificial. At its best, it produces fruity, fresh styles of wine. Some of the top producers of Beaujolais do not use any carbonic maceration whatsoever and will make the wines just as a burgundy producer would for Pinot Noir. And this produces more concentrated wines, but still quite fresh, akin to the whole cluster wines that are made in Burgundy and other styles of Pinot Noir across the world. So where else is Gamay planted in France and around the world? Well, in France, there's 30,500 30, hectares of plantings, making it the seventh most planted variety. Beaujolais is obviously the concentration of those plantings. It's about 99% with a little bit of Chardonnay planted in Beaujolais too. Also found it in Burgundy in Maconay. So although the historical reputation of Gamay in Burgundy is very negative, there is still some planted. And Maconay has a combination of limestone and granite soils. And so on those granite soils, um, Gamay can be more successful than on the limestone soils. And so there is some Gamay made under the Macon um, appellation. But it's also blended with Pinot Noir for Pastougran. And so if you see the label Pastougran on a label, it's from Macané. And it is a blend of Gamay and Pinot Noir for a fruity, youthful style. Not quite as high quality as Beaujolais Village or Cru Beaujolais, but still quite fun and approachable. A bit more like uh, the general Beaujolais appellation. Over in the Loire, Gamay is widely planted. Directly adjacent to Beaujolais is Côte Rhônaise and Côte de Forêt. And these are two regions which have similar soils to Beaujolais. So Beaujolais has the granitic soils, which are the outcrop of Massif Central, which dominates central France. And Côte Rhônaise and Côte de Forêt have those same soils. Again, an extension of Massif Central. And these wines are very similar to Beaujolais, 100% um, Gamay, and at their best, are not dissimilar to a Cru Beaujolais. One producer I would recommend is Domaine Sarol. They make several Gamay from different soil types, different vineyards, which are very high quality. They have that fine tannic structure of Gamay at its best, 
They're fruity, designed to be drunk young, but do have the concentration to be aged if you have the patience or inclination to age wine. Further inland in central France is Chateau Mayon, which is literally the centre of France in the Massive Central. And this is an old appellation, but now quite small. And the red wines of Chateau Mayon have to be a blend of Gamay and Pinot Noir. So not dissimilar to Pastou Grand in Maconnet, with really nice acidity, um, a firm tannic structure, maybe a little bit greener than you'd find in a Maconnet, but still can be of good quality. If you want to taste some Chateau Mayon, I'd recommend a producer called Siri Coutard. Uh, they're actually based in Cancy, further north in Loire Valley, but they make a Gamay Pinot Noir blend from Chateau Mayon. Gamay is also found in Touraine, which is a large region in the centre of the Loire Valley. And Gamay is often planted just to the south of the region where it's a bit warmer. Think of these wines as a lighter-bodied version of a Beaujolais village. A producer I would recommend is Jean-Francois Meriot, and they make absolutely fantastic Gamay, as well as um, other great varieties as well. To give you a good introduction to Loire and Terrain Gamay. So planted in several regions in Loire, so Côte Rhônaise, Côte de Forêt, Chateau Mayon, and also Terrain. So not just Beaujolais. Moving away from the centre of France is Savoie, where it can be made on its own in the cool alpine high altitude plantings, or it can be blended with Mondeuse and or Pinot Noir. So a bit of a connection with Burgundy and Beaujolais with the plantings of Gamay and Pinot Noir, but also the local grape variety Mondeuse. And these have a really earthy, cool climate, high acid, alpine, floral um, style to them. Le Caveau Savoyard is a producer I would definitely recommend for their Gamay as well as their Mondeuse too. Further north is Lorraine, which is the other side of the Vosges Mountains from Alsace. Uh, a cool, wet climate, one that's never really covered from Phylloxera. And because it's so wet, vintage variation is certainly um, quite notable, which makes wine production uh, difficult there, which is one of the reasons why it's a small region that people may um, not notice too much. It is the other side of the German Mosel, and so a similar climate, but even wetter. And there is Gamay planted here. And I would recommend the producer Mijo, who make both a still gamay and a sparkling gamay as well. The sparkling gamay is very, very, very lightly pink. Just a very pale colour to it and is quite delicious, made in the traditional method. There is also sparkling gamay made in Beaujolais, which is red. So sparkling red wine, which is sweet and quite simple, but easy to drink. And then the producer I mentioned from Côte Rouennaise, Domaine Sorol, also make a sparkling gamay, which is 8% alcohol is pink and is medium dry with high acid and is a lot of fun very very easy to drink and because gamay doesn't have particularly notable tannins but does maintain its acidity it does have potential for sparkling wine even if only a handful of producers make it gamay is also planted in switzerland where there are 1500 hectares which makes it the second most planted grape variety in switzerland so not dissimilar to Savoie on the other side of the Alps, with a cool alpine continental climate for medium-bodied high-acid red wines. But Swiss wine isn't found that much outside of the country. In California, there's a little bit planted. A couple of producers include Arnott Roberts, who planted Gamay in the El Dorado Hills after going to Beaujolais and couldn't understand why this great wine uh, wasn't well, there wasn't equivalent in California. 
And so they started making Gamay, and it's very good. There's also a producer called Kasuj, who is based in Carneros, who grafted Gamay onto Merlot vines. So not much of a history of Gamay within California, but some producers are so excited by the great variety and the wines they've tasted from Beaujolais that they are planting Gamay. Obviously a warmer climate for a fruitier style, but maintaining the acidity and having this really nice ripe tannic structure to them. It'd be nice if more Gamay was planted in California. Historically, there was some confusion about Gamay in California because wines from the 1970s labelled as Napa Gamay were not, in fact, from Gamay at all. They're usually from Val de Gay, which is a Languedoc grape variety, so which, again, just adds to the some of the confusion and misunderstanding about Gamay. But if you see Gamay on a California label now, it is definitely Gamay. In Oregon, there's also a little bit of Gamay. Oregon and Willamette Valley are particularly famous for Pinot Noir, of course, which makes sense that Gamay could succeed in the growing conditions of Oregon, which is a moderate maritime climate. Brickhouse are a biodynamic winery which makes excellent Gamay from Willamette Valley, and just a little bit lighter than a California equivalent, but a good gripping structure to the tannins. Again, can be drunk young, but also can be aged. Another producer just on the other side of the Columbia River is Syncline. Their Gamay is absolutely superb. So that's in Columbia Gorge, which is a cool, wet climate. And so in general, Gamay likes the cooler conditions that you would find in Loire. A little bit warmer in Beaujolais, where there's more sunshine, and that can result in higher yields, but, but still not too hot. And then also Lorraine, Savoie, Switzerland, and then these areas, Columbia Gorge and Willamette Valley. And also New York, there's some Gamay planted there, which can be of interesting quality. Again, a cooler climate. And also in New Zealand, where Temata in Hawke's Bay uh, make Gamay. They planted it in the 1990s. There aren't that many producers. There's only 12 hectares planted across the whole of New Zealand. But their Gamay is excellent. Hawke's Bay is one of the two warmer areas of uh, New Zealand on the east coast, uh, sheltered from the rain, and so one of the driest as well. And so that slightly warmer climate, but not too warm, more of a moderate climate, um, is excellent for Gamay. It would be nice if more producers on those gravel soils, not dissimilar uh, to Beaujolais, uh, would plant Gamay, because there should be lots of potential there. But that historical reputation of Gamay not producing as great wines as Pinot Noir, which is unfair, um, does limit some of the New World plantings. So tiny amount in um, New Zealand, a tiny amount in California, a tiny amount in Oregon, a tiny amount in Washington, a small amount in New York. But those very small amounts are all making really, really good wine. So Gamay does have the potential to uh, develop in the New World and maybe produce the really high-quality wines that Cru Beaujolais proves it is capable of. So that is Gummy. Thank you for listening. This has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink.